Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. The show is a proud media partner for the 11th Annual Media Excellence Awards, which are produced by Access Entertainment in Los Angeles, California. The Media Excellence Awards are recognized as the most influential awards show, honoring innovation and leadership in all things mobile entertainment, lifestyle, and technology. For more information on how to submit to these awards, please visit MediaXAwards.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Nathan and Cole from Miro Technologies. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Yeah, I'm excited to have you guys on the show. I, I think what you guys are doing is actually really innovative, but maybe before we get up into all that fun stuff, let's get to know each one of you a little bit better. So Nathan, maybe do you want to start off and give us a little bit of background and then Cole, I'll let you do that right after? Yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, so yeah, good to get to chat. Um, I'm Nathan, uh, one of the co-founders of Miro um, on the business end of things. Um, so my story sort of starts, um, you know, very, very naturally. I'm from a small town in Alberta, um, and my family is actually um, all entrepreneurs. Okay, so I, I like to say that uh, entrepreneurship um, sort of runs in runs in the family. Um, they're they uh, they run a retail store in uh, Red Deer, Alberta. Okay. So um, you know, I grew up with the principles of you know small business and um, you know always. Um, making sure that customers come first and, and all that. And I think those have been valuable things in our journey uh, up to this point. So um, after you know I finished my undergrad, I moved um, to Ontario. I went to Queen's University to get my master's degree um, in innovation at, um, at, in Kingston at, at Queen's. Um, and there I, I studied business and, and worked on a lot of different um, you know, business ideas and um, a lot of different projects that uh, might end up being, you know, something that I I sink my teeth into uh, more um, as as it develops. So yeah, that's where I met Cole at Queens. Um, we met when I was uh, in my innovation program, um, and we just started working on the business from there. Very cool, Cole. Do you want to give a little bit of background? Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Cole McDonald. I, I founded uh, Miro Technologies with with Nathan. Um, I basically got the idea. I, I lived in Toronto my whole life and and kind of in the city. And one of the first uh, jobs I got uh, in, in the summers of, of my university studying engineering, um, also at Queens, uh, was at a property management company and, and basically just saw, you know, how the industry works and actually worked in analytics and analyzed, you know, how cleaners did their jobs basically interesting and, and realized that you know a lot of stuff that uh, that's being used for these kinds of metrics was all you know pen and paper uh, logs at the back of the door kind of thing and 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 the light bulb went off and I said you know I, I think we can you know there must be a better way to do this sure no I, I think that that makes a lot of sense so you guys met in school, but how did you guys decide to actually form a company together? Yeah, so 
I, I met Nathan, uh, I was actually just pitching to his class. I, I needed someone with some business experience. Okay. Uh, I kind of had a, a prototype. It was like a, it was like a three inch by three inch box that uh, when you waved your hand in front of it, it kind of lit up. Uh, we, but uh, we also had one of the local cleaning companies uh, here uh, near the university that was like super interested in the product. Okay. Uh, so we kind of had already had a customer before we already started and, and we just started talking to people and, and Nathan uh, can speak to this as well as it seemed like everyone we talked to in the industry, you know, loved the idea and, and saw potential in it. So how did you guys go out and actually get that kind of first customer before you even had anything built? Like, how did you, like, you went and talked to them, but how did you just like cold call reach out? Or you mentioned you worked at, at one of those companies. Like, how did you actually get the first kind of customers on trying out the platform? It was a, it was a lot of cold calling at the beginning. Okay. Um, I actually credit a lot of this to one of our um, early mentors. Uh, we did a lot of cold calling just for customer discovery, okay. um, getting out there, getting on the phone, not even for selling, just to get learn a little bit more about what people do. Okay. Um, and we were actually surprised how many people were willing to give up some of their time in order to you know give us a little more insight and knowledge about the industry, whether that be commercial cleaning, property management. Um, like since we started, we we initially thought that this was going to be a product for commercial cleaners, okay. like Cole mentioned. Um, but as we spoke to more commercial cleaners, we realized that that wasn't the right opportunity. Um, you know, they're, they're working on pretty tight budgets. So we ended up going to property managers and, okay. and those ended up being our, our target customer. And, um, we ended up finding the, the right point there. Um, but, and, you know, just to add on to that, it's really interesting because our product affects so many points in, um, like the, um, supply chain for, um, distribution of, of, uh, washroom materials sure. um we've had interest from all four points from like the people who cut down the trees and make paper and to the ones distributing it to the, the property managers to the actual cleaners who are using it so um that's really interesting and really cool and it's been a good uh good exercise in 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 learning um you know some of that logistics and supply chain um part of the business sure no i think that's great so walk me through kind of what exactly you guys are kind of helping with and, and how does your software kind of actually help these kind of companies and corporations do their job? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty simple. The technology is, um, it's a, a sensor technology okay. um, that, that we created in house. Uh, so what the sensor is doing is measuring the levels of supply okay. uh, in a restroom dispenser, okay. uh, soap, paper, towel, toilet paper. Um, and it's also measuring the number of people going in and out of the restroom um, for, for traffic levels. Okay. Um, so you're getting a pretty holistic view of the restroom and, and understanding right down to the granular details of how much supply is left in the dispenser, um, which as we found out, has proven to be pretty um, useful information. Sure. Um, so this data is sent to an analytics um, dashboard where the property manager can um, see the, all the historical usage of his supplies, but also he gets insights on his worker performance. So the cleaners that he has on contract, he can see um, how well they're doing, how long it's taking them to you know, go to a restroom when, when supplies are needed to be changed. Um, as well as they can see their inventory of, of stock. And you know, all three of these things are, are pretty valuable um, metrics for property managers. Um, one of the big use cases that we're, we're getting here is that um, property managers are saving um, significant amounts of supplies because the way that cleaners do their routine now is that 
every time they go into the washroom, um, they're making a change. They might only go in there once per day. Right. Um, so based on their routine, they have to throw out, you know, 30 to 35% of the supplies in that dispenser because they might only go there once per day. Um, and with our, with our application, you know, they'll get a text message right before um, the supplies need to be changed so they can go in there at 5% um, right. and they can be more confident that they're not needing to throw away supplies because they, they can go in right just in time um, cleaning for, for the future. So that is, you know, something that we're, we're showing right now off our, our early pilots and it's been um, a really, really cool insight. Okay. Have you guys done anything in the hospital market? Cause like their supply chain management's gotta be, obviously it's not constantly changed every day, but like they must need to know when they need to order new stock. Is that an area you're going to go into eventually? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Sure. So one of the, one of the pilot uh, customers, we actually have a hospital okay. uh, local here that's willing to test our technology. Um, we have, we have nothing uh, to announce right now, but sure. the health space is is really promising and and we're definitely going to be uh moving into that we're making a play there uh soon interesting so i, I want to talk a little bit about kind of the tech because how does the sensor kind of work like how would you describe the sensor without being able to like people can't really see it obviously on on kind of the interview but they can go to the website and check it out but like how do how does the sensor kind of work and, and what's the kind of technology inside of it yeah, so um, it's basically similar to uh, you notice on a phone when you when you put it up to your ear, the screen turns off. Yeah, uh, we use a fairly similar technology, and so our sensors will go inside uh, a building's existing dispensers. Okay, um, and and the idea is, you know, it, it measures, you know, very simply, it measures how much of a of a certain consumable is left. So okay. we're able to know whether there's twenty five percent of a paper towel roll or toilet paper roll, or or you know whether there's again a soap as well. Um, yeah, and the idea with the product too is that you know consumers or people visiting the washroom you know, we'll never know that, that the dispensers are, are enabled with our technology. Okay. Uh, and that's one of the things that we really keep in mind when, when implementing this sort of solution. Sure. Cause it's not like a camera, right? Like, or how does that kind of work? Yeah, no, it's not at all like a camera. It's very analog. Uh, we actually use, uh, you know, light, I guess to yeah that's kind of what I figured but I just wanted to make that clear there's not like a little <laughs> yeah no it's completely analog there's no nothing but a but a percentage that's coming from the center sensors so how did you guys go about actually building kind of the sensors did you guys build like an early prototype yourself or do you have somebody somebody in the hardware space or how did that kind of come to be yeah so it was it was me when I was uh, when I first came up with the idea, I remember I spent my my Christmas break downstairs in my parents' basement, and uh, okay. it was the first I think you know running on two hours of sleep, you know, a night just trying to get something down, and it was messy at first, sure. um, and then eventually, you know, we just kind of iterated from there. I remember our first pilot we had. Uh, we were still using parts that I would buy from the electronics store and, and solder them together and put them in a package. Uh, and then, you know, send them off. So, you know, eventually from there we grew and have enough funds to get stuff, get our own, you know, uh, sensors manufactured uh, at a factory in Canada. Uh, okay. And, and very soon now we're going offshore for, for manufacturing. So it was really uh, iterative in the, in the process that we took from a prototype, you know, getting it out in the field as quick as possible and, 
you know, making a few mistakes along the way, but I think that's, that's part of being a startup. Sure. Was there, do you want to maybe talk about any of those kind of things that you'd wish you maybe didn't do kind of, especially building a hardware startup? Yeah, I think, you know, it's so hard. Uh, you know, a lot of people when, when, when something goes wrong, you know, for example, in an app, you can very quickly yeah. just, you know, create a new version and, and get it sent out to the app store and then totally. update and it works. When, when there's an issue going on with hardware, you can't quickly, you know, implement a fix across, you know, hundreds or, you know, tens of sure. devices. You got to go back to the drawing board. So um, one of the things that we had was, you know, it would be so expensive to manufacture a couple of boards and then you'd get them out to the customer. And we had one issue where the batteries just stopped working. I think the battery right. life was like hours and we need, you know, something in, in the months to years. Sure. Uh, and so it, it's iterative, it's expensive. Um, but I actually think we, we took a good step in kind of taking it slow. And, and thankfully, our customers or partners at that time were, you know, very understanding that, you know, sometimes things go wrong and we need, you know, a month or two to, to figure it out. But uh, now we're in a position where we've got a pretty scalable product. Interesting. No, I, I think that's, that's really good advice, right? So how does the actual sensors send data to the app yeah. or, or the, the actual software? So we are, you know, completely independent of whatever infrastructure is available at buildings. You know, I, okay. I think that's very important to us as, you know, you see IOT security is kind of all yeah. the, the rage right now and, and, and things can go wrong and it can be a point of entry, you know, even though we do uh, have fairly good security on our devices. So we go from uh, the sensors communicate wirelessly uh, to uh, a base station that we have in the building. Uh, okay. And then got, they go up and we actually use a cellular connection uh, to connect to our cloud platform. Got you. Okay. And then it syncs like a few times throughout the day or is it kind of li always syncing? Exactly. So it actually depends on how frequently someone uses a washroom. So sure. You know, okay. If Makes sense. If it's never used, then it may just do, you know, a couple times a day. If it's used a lot, then, then it increases in the frequency that uh, the sensors pull information. Okay. Interesting. So walk me through a little bit about actually getting the software built like did you guys raise some money did you self-fund or like how did you fund all this because building a hardware and software kind of startup is not cheap as you guys know no it isn't and, and to be honest you know web stuff was not really our our forte and so okay we were thankful enough that our university actually gave us uh, a bunch of money just to get going and they they gave us a desk in in their office space uh nice. which was huge you know starting out and we originally had, uh, you know, a friend of ours build a little proof of concept uh, software platform or web platform for us that was, you know, a graph. And if something went wrong, it would send the text message out. Uh, right. And it was it was good for, you know, just getting the initial sales. I think, you know, cleaners come from a industry that is traditionally non-technical. And a lot of these right. decisions aren't driven by analytics. They're driven by, you know who, who I know, or, or, you know, I've been in this, this area for 10 years, you know, I'm a name around. So when, when you come in and say, you know, we can find efficiencies using data, 
their eyes just light up and, and to see the possibilities. So, you know, to start off, we really didn't need much. And then eventually, you know, as we grew and, and raised some funds, uh, were, we were able to, you know, redesign our platform with scalability in mind. And so now we're just about to release our, our I guess, our 1.0 really uh, in January of, of the new year. Very cool. So you guys are just got into an accelerator, correct? Or, or walk me through kind of the accelerator process. Yeah, so um, we've actually been to a couple of different accelerators. Um, sure. We did one in Berlin, Germany, um, wow. hardware.co. And that was actually really valuable because um, like the level of you know, IoT technology over in Europe is, is completely sure. on another level, I think. Um, they've have their their telecom networks are um, completely set up specifically for IoT devices, and I think that is um, really just leaning to the fact of geography. And a lot of these cities are really close in proximity. Um, the urban environments are very conducive for um, like you know IoT technology. Um, a lot more people are are commuting and and on bikes and things like that. I think those are all um, you know the initiatives that help the help the smart city movement. Um, but we're coming along really, really closely in uh, in North America. So, you know, there's a lot of companies that are building specific networks like LoRa in uh, in North America and in Canada, um, specifically a lot of the Ontario, um, you know, municipalities are, are testing some of these uh, LoRa networks. So that's that's really interesting. Um, and the accelerator that we're uh, joining in the next couple of months is the Creative Destruction Lab um, through Rotman at the University of Toronto. So um, very cool. Yes, yeah. The the CDL is um, it's fairly fairly well recognized. A lot of a lot of really good companies have have gone through there. Um, so we're really excited to to be a part of that network and you know get some um, good good feedback and guidance for our business as we grow. Sure. No, that's awesome. So you guys mentioned um, a few kind of pilots that you guys are running. You kind of mentioned some cold calling, but how else did you guys kind of land some of these and how have you guys kind of, you know, rolled along with, with some of this stuff? Because you mentioned some, obviously early on you had some hardware issues and, and you redesigned the thing. How is actually the kind of pilot programs kind of gone and, and maybe walk us through some of that journey? Because I think that's kind of interesting and I think really scary for kind of a lot of startups that are looking to kind of maybe actually onboard some people for pilots. Yeah, I, th I think a lot of it is about setting expectations, um, both okay. positive and, and negative. So I think, sure. you know, you want to make sure that going into pilots, you're, you're setting um, deliverables for your, your technology to hit and, and those right. deliverables can help convert uh, directly into a contract because I think pilots themselves, they're, they're very, you know, they're very good um, like proof of uh you know proving your technology proving that things work um but ultimately they're they're not generating that recurring revenue that all right. startups uh all startups desire so so much so making sure that those are um set out in the beginning and and kind of setting the guidelines for um that that contract process is is really important um as well as you know setting so if things go wrong you know where where you're going to be and and having that one-to-one -one, um communication and contact with uh, the pilot customer because they're going to expect you to, um, you know, bring everything through like it's a perfectly, um, you know, perfected technology. Um, right. That might not always be the case. So, you know, just making sure that you're showing up, you're there when, when they need you. Um, that's also important to, to make sure things go smoothly. 
Yeah, no, I, I think you touched on something that's interesting. I think it like worst case scenario, if something goes wrong, especially early on, well, they just go back to the way they've been doing things the whole time, right? In your guys' case, it was like, well, they would just change the go into that washroom maybe once a day, like they always have, right? Instead of getting a notification. So worst case is they just keep doing what they've been doing. Best case is it actually saves them time and money, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and you have to show that up front, right? Um, like most of these guys for us is, yeah, it comes back to the dollar save. If there's really no ROI for these, for these guys, there's, there's not going to be a benefit to uh, adopting technology. So you don't want to be creating tech for the sake of tech. These, these, um, these guys have been in business for a long time. They know what types of um, products are, are actually going to deliver value to them. So yeah, you got to have, you got to show them right off the, right off the bat, those, those cost savings, uh, the time savings. And um, that's our number one focus with the, with the product and, and providing value right back to the property managers. Um, you know, a lot of our, our other products in the market, similar to ours, um, you know, they're, they're saying they're providing value, but really locking in property managers on more expensive refills. Um, that's not what we're, we're here for. We're providing long-term value through, um, through data, through analytics and going to continue to provide them value. So the longer things, um, the longer these sensors are installed in a building, the more valuable they get, um, just with predictive routing and, um, you know, using the benefits of, uh, um, you know, get ready for some machine learning and, and hopefully getting that um, underway will help these property managers make better decisions um, the longer that they have these installed. Sure. And then I'm assuming that at some point, like if they have many buildings, they'll just kind of have one dashboard that they can kind of dive into their different properties. Yeah. So that's the beauty of the solution is uh, it's important for these property managers, especially if they're managing, you know, their portfolio spans across North America to really have sure. a one look kind of metric uh, to see the cleanliness of their building, uh, stocking and the performance of their cleaning teams. Sure. Um, so that's something that we certainly provide to those larger clients. No, that makes sense. And then I'm assuming it's also helpful, like just even giving employee evaluations, right? Because you know that if I check the third floor and the third floor is always off, then you can correct that, right? For sure. And it's great. You know, it's not, the tool is not just for, you know, managers to, oversee their employees sure uh, it, it provides you know that's certainly a piece and that's something that managers like that peace of mind that their workers are, are doing you know what they're supposed to be doing uh, but cleaners are are exceedingly happy with this solution as well because you know they don't have to worry about um, you know missing something or or a lot of times an event will come in on the fourth floor and for example they won't know about it until they right. recall so now they're able to you know be dispatched to a certain location and, and really keep their eyes on the entire building from one place no yeah that's actually interesting go ahead sorry yeah i, I wanted to add to that the the industry is really interesting because um, you know, smart building, smart city is, it's really, the conversation is really heating up. Um, everybody has, you know, sort of a smart city or smart building initiative that they want to get going, but they're not really sure the best way for them to get started with it. Um, I think for us as a, as a startup, it's really important that we communicate the value and, and, you know, get it across, you know, what's the tangible benefit of, of the product going to be, because I think you know, they, they know that some, some sort of these smart technologies is going to help them, but 
um, again, tying it back to exactly what their um, value is going to be in terms of dollars um, they're going to get from it. Because a lot of these property managers, it's um, like you go to Oxford, you go to Cadillac Fairview, these, these guys have very grand facilities, really, they put their name on the buildings that they're the most proud of. Um, and then for you to, um, you know, be a part of that, you have to really, um, you know, add some significant benefit to them. So for, for those really, you know, great big buildings that are um, really astounding when you, when you walk into them, um, th those are the types of facilities that we want to like leave a mark on it. Um, there, there's you know, definitely an opportunity because they want to make sure those buildings are um, keeping up the name sort of thing. Okay, interesting. No, I think that makes total sense. Thanks for listening to Building the Future. This show is heard by more than a million people monthly in over 15 markets worldwide, including Silicon Valley. Kevin Horick's guests are leading business owners, successful entrepreneurs, and merchandisers worldwide. Now, your brand has an opportunity to tap into this dedicated and active group of business people who are looking for places to invest and the right opportunities to support. Find out how you can get involved at buildingthefutureshow.com. So how do you guys kind of monetize the platform then? Yeah, so it's all based on a subscription model. Um, okay. We charge um, based on volume per cents per month. Okay. Obviously, um, you know, things go down with, uh, with volume significantly for us on the manufacturing side and we get past right. savings back on to the customer. Um, so a typical implementation for us, um, is, is at least 500 sensors. So we're okay. talking about like big office buildings, um, AAA office space, um, like shop, large shopping malls, airports, hospitals, sure. um, you know, those large facilities that really make an impact on, on a community, um, because you're going to have, um, you know, tons of cleaners in that building at, at many different times for a facility manager. Um, they're busy responding to you know a hundred other things during on a given day for these places. You know renovations, they got rent collection, um, they're they're doing their um, trash removal, and then you know day to day is the maintenance. So really, we're making maintenance for them. The last thing they they have to worry about, they know that everything is um, you know going to be taken care of on with the platform. We really want to reduce those um, customer calls to the property manager, those angry customer calls saying, hey, there's no supplies, there's no toilet paper on this floor, on the 42nd floor, um, can you send a cleaner? Um, for us to eliminate those calls, that is like a huge, huge um, KPI for us. So uh, I think if, if we can completely eliminate those calls, we'll have done our job and it makes property managers' lives that much easier. No, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I think that's really actually quite fascinating. Um, so I, I'm curious, obviously you guys are, I'm a I'm millennial, I'm, or I'm just a millennial, I'm 35. So you, just so you have some context. You, you, Nathan, you wrote a piece about kind of in defense of millennials and I have my thoughts on it and I can share it with maybe after, but I'm curious to know, um, you wrote a piece like why young and hungry are the best leaders for business. And I'm, I'm curious just to kind of maybe share what you talk about in that piece because I found it quite interesting. Yeah, of course. No, I'd love to love to talk about it. Yeah, uh, I'm I uh, pretty you know strong opinions about it. So I'd love to hear what you have to say. Sure. Well, I I love the fact that people just kind of almost like write you off before they even know who you are. So motivation for me, but it's also I think funny in the sense that the bar set so low for you just by default, right? So like if you make a little bit of effort. People are yeah. like, oh my God. And you're like, well, it's not really that different. And I also think there's been 
kind of highly motivated and completely unmotivated people in since the beginning of time. So, you know, I think in every generation that's always been the case and always will be the case. So I think it's just kind of funny in anything. And I think it's great because it's like, sure, pigeonhole, you know, me and other people that are motivated to actually do something in that. That's fine. No big deal. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I totally agree. And I think that's some of the frustration I had when I, when I wanted to write that. I think, yeah, the number of times we've sort of been pushed aside or, or you know, kind of just thought of as a, um, as an afterthought because, you know, we were you know, just starting our careers or because um, we're, you would do things maybe a little uh, in a different way, in a new, in a new way. Um, yeah, there's been, it, it, it has been countless. Uh, if we were, if we stopped any time that we had a little bit of uh, adversity, we probably would have stopped like two years ago. So, um, you know, every time that like, I think, Personally speaking, every time that, you know, something kind of doesn't go our way, it actually motivates me a little bit more just to, to yeah. push harder and, you know, prove those people wrong. I think that's a little bit of, you know, just what kind of part of my personality to make, make prove the, the people wrong that, that doubt us. Totally. Um, and I think you need a little bit of that as an entrepreneur because, um, you know, and we, we talked about at the beginning is that, like, you're really not going to you're really not going to have the answers to most of the questions when, when you start your business, you know, it's, it's a very, um, the long, like circuitous path to, to the destination. And, and there really, there really is no destination. Um, so, you know, as you go through the process and, um, make mistakes and, and iterate on that, as long as you're taking a couple steps forward and, and not taking like, you know, three steps back, um, it'll, it'll all eventually work out. No, it's interesting. Cool. Cool. Do you have anything to add to that? I, I just, you know, thinking back to, to what Nathan just said there, I, I think, you know, the number of times I, I think just in a startup generally, uh, that you, that they know, or especially early on when you're not sure the feasibility of something and, sure. and, and, you know, us being so young too, and going into, you know, we've been in the, in the, the youngest person in the room, especially in sales, in the sales process, sure. I would say 99% of the time, um, there's a, you got to work a little bit harder to be taken seriously. But I, when, sure. when people realize, you know, the value that you're providing and, and the knowledge that you have, um, you know, it quickly goes away. But I got to say that the first impression sometimes can be can be difficult to manage. Yeah, no, and I think it's just like you kind of need to just let it roll off your back. Like I remember a time I was working at the university at the time. This lady said to me, I was 18 at the time. Are you even old enough to have a job? And it's, well, do you want me to do you want me to just leave and not help you? attitudes like you called me up to help you and it's like if you want to insult me then fine but i don't need to help you either right and it's kind of a weird balance yeah. sometimes right or you could just fine forget it it yeah. doesn't really matter you can think what you want but i'll help you and go on my merry way right yeah it's it's sort of a mm -hmm. rite of passage uh, to be honest um i think no matter where you are you're going to be at the the bottom totally. end of the totem pole when when you're starting things out but i think as an entrepreneur, that's, you know, everyone has this perception that, oh, you're, you're, you're your own boss, yeah. you know, you call the shots, everything, you know, goes the way that you expect it to, but that's really not the case. You're, you're pretty reliant on, you know, on other people's, um, you know, feedback on their funding on, um, you know, customers coming through for you. So I think, you know, there's a, there is a big aspect of, you know, making sure everyone 
Elsa's happy and then that that'll eventually trickle back to you um it's in these early days it's um you do anything you can to make things work it's uh it's it's not until maybe like you know you have a a really really hard a fast growing business that um you know you have a little bit more of those luxuries um but i mean to us i think we're 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 happy with the the pace that things are going i think we wouldn't sure. rush anything because uh, the more you rush to a certain destination, the the less you enjoy it on the way. Um, I think that everything for us is, is come at a, is coming good timing, and I think they'll continue to go that way. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I also think it's interesting too that if you're kind of an older, um, you know, person that's been in the industry for a long period of time, you almost don't realize like how much red tape sometimes there is right whereas like a younger person that's maybe never been in the industry that you're trying to break into well that's just dumb why would you do it like that let's just yep. do it this way and then sometimes they're like exactly. oh yeah you're right i never really thought of it because of xyz reason i don't even know what those yep. reasons are or like why they exist so sometimes it's easier to come in the ground up instead of work from your top the top down right so i think just coming into an industry fresh really can benefit people that I think a lot of people don't talk about very I, much. I, I think so, exactly. And, yeah, and we've, I exactly. remember one of the first sales meetings we walked into, uh, they said, you know, our, our margins are so low, like we, we don't think that we can support this technology. It's just, there's no way. Like we, we purely are on cleaners uh, and we pay the labor and, and that's it. And, uh, but they don't realize that, and we found that, you know, these cleaners, you know, maybe in some cases are throwing out so much paper product and, and you right. know, going into washrooms so many more times that they need to, um, that there's significantly, there's significant savings when you, when you look at it, but, you know, cleaning, yeah. cleaning has, hasn't really changed. I, I know one of the, one of our good friends in the industry says, you know, the biggest advancement that we've had was, uh, 10 or 15 years ago when we switched from uh, rags to microfiber cloths and that was right. game changing. <laughs> uh, so to come in with a, with a technology aspect, um, it can be hard for some people to grasp, but once you see the savings, you know, you understand the value. No, that makes sense. I, I think that's, that's quite interesting. Right. And I think just, getting better at pitching and, and selling that right to some people that are maybe skeptical right and kind of proving them wrong i think is a big motivation factor as well oh without a doubt without a doubt and and we actually found uh early on that especially when we we didn't have too much as a product and you know we were still in development that you know it would be hard to convince people over the phone of of the value of something sure. that they know you know, not too much about. Um, but when you go in there, and I remember we used to make these these Photoshop kind of mock-ups of data and, okay. and technology and, you know, see what kind of things they could achieve and, and just looking, you know, their face light up and say, like, we had no idea, like, you know, that you could do something like this. Um, it's been quite interesting. Sure. Where do you guys go from here? Because I think you could potentially use your technology, and maybe even if you built maybe a couple other pieces of hardware to, to actually help a lot more in the same kind of types of industries you're already in and then kind of expand to others. Do you agree with that? 100%. I mean, we certainly have a lot of room to grow in the restroom for one. 
Uh, we're looking at, you know, tighter integrations with some dispensers. Um, you know, there, there's some room there, but, but really if you look at this technology in a broader sense, you know, we're, we're tracking consumables. Um, and anywhere in the building, there's countless places that, you know, people come in contact with on a, on a daily basis um, that, you know, requires things to be changed out. And we found that with pen and paper logs or the manual way to do it, it gets missed eventually. Um, you know, there's no, uh, it's hard to be perfect. And it's a lot of time just to fill out forms and, and for accountability and auditing purposes. So that's where we kind of come in and say, you know, on a broader sense, anything that needs to be changed out is something that we can adapt our platform to. And as you said earlier, you know, healthcare is a huge, uh, you know, area and interest for us, you know, even on simple things like hand washing compliance or, or more complex things, you know, there's tons of consumables at, at, a, at a facility like that. Yeah, interesting. So how much extra development does it cost you to add in that hardware piece? Because I think sometimes people kind of wonder how complicated in tying physical device into actually a software package. Like how challenging was that for so, you? So I, I think early on, it's easy to jump to the most complicated conclusion, um, especially when we were testing our paper product. I, I was kind of going back and I said, okay, like, you know, this isn't good enough. We need, you know, down to the precise millimeter of, of you know, how much product is left. Um, when really, you know, people need to know whether it's out or not. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, for a lot of, uh, you know, people with engineering or technical backgrounds, I think it's very easy to overcomplicate solutions when you just need something that, that works and, and you reminded of, you know, how much better your solution is than, than practically nothing. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, no, that's fair. Well, and then too, like the more complex the actual hardware solution is, the bigger battery you need, the more expensive it is. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You're right. I think that's actually really good advice. A lot of people try to build this like elaborate thing and you may need that, but you may not need that, or at least not a version one or maybe a, a few versions, Yeah, exactly. Right? And I, I think that iterative process is, is really important, especially with hardware of we've purposely gone in, you know, early on, we basically didn't have any features. We had a, an SMS, right. you know, thing, or an SMS system that people that would summon people to a certain location. And, you know, talking right. with customers very early on and saying, you know, what do you, like, what, if I added this, would you use it? Instead of going in with large future sets and, and kind of, you know, finding out that they only use 1% of it. And that's the kind of approach that we're taking when we expand outside the restroom as well is we're starting with things that are, you know, can make little to no modifications to what we have and collecting feedback. Is this a use to our customers? And, and what if we added this feature or that feature? Uh, would you use it? And kind of, kind of starting small but iterating quickly. Sure. So how do you guys mention that you're, you're going to get, or you have gotten kind of overseas, um, this stuff, the sensors built, how did you guys kind of source a hardware vendor? That's a great question. We're actually traveling to China tomorrow um, nice. to kind of figure that out. Uh, okay. we worked with some great manufacturing partners 
uh, in in Canada who had some connections to the Chinese market. And nice. as much as it's amazing, I think to to uh, start things off in in North America in terms of manufacturing. So right now, all of our stuff is manufactured in Canada. Uh, sure. You know to to hit the scale and growth. Unfortunately, you know you ha- you have to go overseas for that at, at this point. So. Sure. We're in very early relationships with these vendors. I, I've heard a lot of horror stories. I've heard a lot of amazing things. So we're we're going in and and kind of testing the waters a bit. Sure. No, that's that's fair. Um, I, I think that makes a lot of sense, right? I've heard that from a number of people. There's been a big push, especially in America, to try to bring back some manufacturing jobs. But if if you need, I don't know, like a hundred thousand units in you know, 30 days or 60 days, whatever the number is, if there's not a facility in North America to do that, like, what are you going to do? You have to go somewhere else, right? I think, you know, it's not always easy to go kind of North America wide or, and the cost too. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think it came to off the top of my head, it was almost going to be three or four times as much. Oh, keep wow. it in and and you know what there's there's some great things about you know keeping it uh, in North America like it was great for us to be able to tour the factory and especially early sure. on you know when things go when things go wrong um, you know you can we could literally take a two minute drive to the factory and get them to rework apart really quickly um, that you know you can't do if you go overseas so I think starting starting out with us you know in the hundreds kind of of sensors it was it was really amazing to have that that closeness and the ability, you know, the constant communication. There was no language barriers or anything like that. But I think as you grow and as you need, you know, the right numbers to scale, um, you know, you need to go overseas for that. Sure. No, that makes sense. So you guys have a, a show coming up kind of at the end of the month. Do you want to talk about that and what exactly is it? Yeah, so it's the ISSA show um, in, in Dallas uh, this year. So it's the largest um, janitorial uh, sanitation um, trade show in, in the world. So they have hold it every year, um, like last year's in Las Vegas, this year in Dallas. And we'll, uh, we'll be having our product um, displayed along with one of our partner booths, um, partner booths there. So if, you, uh, if, you, if anybody's interested in this industry, they can, uh, they can find us there. Um, and just maybe... Um, to close out the show, if you want to maybe just give a quick recap of um, kind of the technology and, and then what you guys do, and then um, close with mentioning where people can get more information about you guys. Sure. Yeah. So um, we're an IoT company providing analytics for commercial property managers. Um, so uh, we have a hardware com- a solution that installs into um, any soap, paper towel, toilet paper, um, garbage receptacle and, and restroom traffic as well. Um, so we're giving a really a holistic view of restrooms and their supplies um, and providing um, deep insights and, and analytics um, on workforce management, inventory management, uh, supply management, uh, all for property managers. Um, and you know we're starting here in Ontario and the Northeastern United States, um, but we're, we're moving quickly and, and I'm gonna start expanding pretty widely across cool. the country soon. Um, if, yeah, if you're interested, you can, you can follow us, um, on LinkedIn. Uh, our website is Miro.co, M-E-R-O.co. Um, so you can find all the information you need to there. All right, guys. Well, I really appreciate you both taking the time of your day to be on the show and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day. Thanks so much. All right.
Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com. And keep building the future.